are happening, transition is occurring, and we are finishing out a series that we've been talking about the last three weeks on Renewed. And we've looked at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at all this outward stuff that's just should go and does go because it's temporary. And we want to be about the inward renewal that God is doing in our lives. So last week, Pastor Bob talked to us about the great commandment and that renewing of our mind and how we go from darkness into light. And let's keep on reading. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. A lot of things that we can see right now in life are temporary. And for some of those things, we should be saying, praise God that they're temporary. These light and momentary afflictions. But I believe that God is doing something in our midst that is way more significant. I'm talking about the eternal stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that we cannot see. And that's the great commission in this great commandment that we are going, that we focused on the great commandment. Now we're focusing on the great commission because if you are wondering, man, what's going on in, in life? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lack of vision or, or a, a lack of direction. Today's message, I hope, aligns you with his mission because his mission gives us more purpose than any other task job, social or relational, uh, any, any sort of thing that this world has to offer. His mission greatly fulfills us in a way that nothing else can. We're going to be talking about the Great Commission. A few weeks back, Dave Eubanks was here from Earth Mission, uh, not Earth Mission, Asia Free Burma Rangers. They're both in Burma. He said a lot of crazy things. He said a lot of awesome things. And one thing specifically stood out to me, and, and that's kind of how I want to start rolling this morning, and that is that we need to stay and go in our lane. See, we all have lanes that we are currently running in. Jobs, we, we're taking classes, we're pursuing majors, we have family lives that, are, that, that, that put us in different lanes in our communities, family members, coworkers, et cetera, et cetera different lanes that we are running in. And there's so many things that we can be focused in, those things of this world, but I want us to pay attention to what is the Lord saying about how we need to be running in our lane. So I want you to think about what that lane is in your life. What is that lane that God's given you that he hasn't given to any other person? I'm talking about your job situation. I'm talking about the significant and not so significant thing. We all have a lane. In high school, I ran the 800 meter because nobody else wanted to. I was a long distance runner and they said, well, we need to fill some spots, run the 800 meter. And if you don't know what that is, it's two laps around the track. The worst race, I think, in a track meet. Why? Because it's confusing. It's neither a sprint or long distance. It's two laps and you get tired quickly and then you start sprinting. You're like, I can't go anyway. So I was running this 800 meter and this time was especially bad. You know, you start out in the waterfall formation. So everyone's kind of staggered. And then somehow, I don't know who created this, but they need to revisit this, 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 this deal. 
about 100 meters in, everybody merges into one lane. And that's when the elbows and kicks and kneeing people behind come in. And it's just like straight out war out there on the track. And so here I am, I'm, I'm merging into the one lane and, you know, first hundred meters. So everyone's running super, super fast. And I get cleated. Someone was running the 800 in spikes. Who does that? It's not a sprint. Well, they're confused. It's not long distance anyway. Anyway, so, so they, they took my shoe off and my shoe went and my sock went with it. And I just kept running. And it was a terrible mistake. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to end up winning. It's going to be some sort of big story that I can tell later. Like, yeah, I ran the 800 meter and I was going to win. No, I came in dead last. And the point of the story is not that. It's that there were a lot of distractions when we were all merging into one lane. There was a lot going on in that lane. And, 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 you know, I think that when we find ourselves, when we concentrate on what our lane is, there's always going to be these things that are going to try to distract us, trying to cleat, you know, try to, try to take our shoes off and make us run and, and have it hurt. See, there's an enemy out there that wants to distract and destroy the mission that God has for you and for me. There's an enemy that wants to suppress, that wants to scream insecurities. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not Christian enough. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And then there's a God who wants to rescue not only us, but those around us that is saying, you are enough. And I put you in this lane for a reason. That's what I want to look at today. But before we open up the scriptures, I have an exciting, exciting announcement. I think a large lane, the largest lane mission-wise in our county is Texas State University. It's been said from this stage for many, many years. We got over 40,000 college students in a university. That's where I came from. That's where Ben came from. That's where other people here, Texas State grads or, or, or people that, that, that you know, have been through Texas State, raise your hands. Hey, we almost won last night versus SMU. Almost. Did you see that one-handed Odell Beckham? I saw it on my ESPN. I didn't even know the game was on because if you went to Texas State, you don't follow football. But I'm following Instagram, and on the ESPN, I'm like, yo, that's a great catch. That's the Bobcats. Way to go, Texas State. But we lost. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. God's on mission at Texas State and has been through this church since 1994. This church started in 1993. Crosstalk started in 1994, and there is a specific lane that Crosstalk operates in and has for all of those years. And we've been without a singular Crosstalk pastor for a few years, and that ends today. The announcement is we have our new Crosstalk pastor. His name is J.D. Wilhelm. He is the camp uh, wilderness director at Camp Eagle. Awesome God story. He is getting married to his fiance Taylor in two weeks at Arches National Park. How cool. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them, but before, check them out. Hey guys, uh, my name is JD Wilhelm and this is my fiance Taylor. I'm, we're super thankful that we don't have to say fiance for very much longer. We're about three weeks away from our own wedding. By the time that we, we get to be with you guys, 
uh, we will be able to say husband and wife. And so we're excited for this change of season and for the opportunity to be a part of the Cypress Creek and Crosstalk families coming up. And we're, we're super excited to be a part of the long history and tradition of Crosstalk. Actually, three years ago, I came to Crosstalk for the first time and I was really struck by the culture of the ministry. And so I'm really excited to be a part of this culture of, of authenticity and vulnerability that I believe like in my experience, has defined crosstalk. We're super excited to be a part of that culture, to to be a place that is inviting and welcoming to others, where people can come as they are, that they don't have to be or to act in a certain way, to have a place at our table. Beyond that, gosh, Texas State is such a mission field, and so we're incredibly excited to, to be in San Marcos and to be at Texas State, where we can hopefully have an impact for for Jesus in this city and in this in this university. And so we're really, really excited to be a part of that. Yeah. And I personally have had like five to six years mentoring college age women. So I'm excited to just kind of pick up where I left off in this season um, and getting to love on those students and just kind of have like a rotating door um, in our home for this ministry. Yeah, so we're super excited to meet you guys. Um, we will see you guys here the first week of October. Until then, um, we would love to hear from you. So reach out on social media or anything like that. And we will see you soon. Bye. JD and Taylor, soon to be Wilhelm. We are pumped. We got a crosstalk master. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Total God story. I don't know if you heard, but he, count, he had come to Crosstalk a few years ago uh, to recruit college students to be camp counselors. And he told his then supervisor, hey, this is my dream job right here. And I asked him why. And he said what he said in the video. He said, there's something authentic about Crosstalk. It doesn't fit any other mold. It just is. And that very same authenticity is what drew me in as a freshman at Texas State. I was wanting to do my own thing, running my lane that I wanted to design for myself. And I was trying out for the men's club soccer team. And there was this guy, just so happened to be the team captain guy. And he came and said, hey, you need to check out this thing called Heart Group, Community Group now. And, and, and it's a place where we just openly read the Bible, talk about our beliefs, talk about purpose and life. And I was like, nah, man, it's not my lane. I want to do other things with my life. And God stuff happened. You know what I'm talking about? Those God things that you can't explain, but you just know that it's not you or anybody else that's orchestrating. It's just God things happened. And I went to this community group and I started opening up the Bible and I started reading about this Jesus that I didn't necessarily see at church. I did, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. See, I was comparing Jesus to church, and then the church is the bride of Christ, but Christ is God, and, and, and we're called first to Jesus, and then after that, we're called to enter the church. So I said, fine, I'll be in relationship with Jesus. I'm all in. I'm all about this Jesus guy, but I won't go to church. That didn't last very long. It's not a very good thing to say when you surrender your life to God and say, God, I'm going to live life your way now, not my way. And he started chipping away at all of those things. And, and, and I started coming to church and I started leading a crosstalk. And then really fast, I realized this is not my lane. I'm running in somebody else's lane. Well, it was his lane. 
and it was his way. And now I was on mission for him. It didn't come uh, without a lot of doubts and a lot of struggle, but the point is we all have a lane. What is your lane? Let's look at Matthew 28. Let's look at this great commission. And then I wanna end today with three very practical how-tos that will help us renew our mission. Matthew 28, great commission. Jesus is at the end of his life. He has died, he was buried, and then he rose again. This is his swan song, last words in the gospel of Matthew before he ascends into heaven. It says in verse 17, when they saw him, they being the disciples, They worshiped him, but some doubted. Come back to that. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Last thing that Jesus says on earth before he ascends into heaven is tag. You're it. I'm going up. Holy Spirit's coming down so that you can go out. Go and make disciples. The mission of the church can be summarized with those two words, make disciples. Let's look at this. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that from the get-go, we see what the mission is. See, the mission is not for people to go from doubt necessarily to faith. It's, it's for us to go from doubt to worship, because when we choose to worship God, he instills in us faith. He instills in us his truth and his comfort and his peace. And sometimes we, 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 we struggle with doubt. Well, If we worship, you'll see what happens to your doubt. Beautiful, beautiful beginning to the Great Commission. And so then Jesus, speaking to those that are doubting and worshiping, came to them and said, now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The same Great Commission in the Gospel of Matthew, it's found in John chapter 20. And Jesus says again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so Jesus sent by the Father is now sending us. He's given all authority and all uh, in heaven and on earth. You want to talk about security? You want to talk about knowing, okay, I'm going to believe this guy because this is the guy, this is the creator. This is our Savior who is now sending us out. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Many years ago from this stage, I heard this phrase from our founding pastor, Rob, and it stuck with me. A church is not a place we go to, but a place we go from. We think that church is, just get them to church. That's the mission, just get them to church. Uh-uh, you come to church to be sent out. And so when Jesus says, go, he's talking to us. And he's saying, now go, don't huddle, don't just gather. That's important. Gather and encourage one another and edify one another and speak truth and love and correct and all those things, but also go because it is from church that we are sent and make disciples of all nations. One of the the things that I struggled with when I was uh, coming to faith, one of my biggest questions was this whole sense of why is 
the gospel? Why is, why, why is Christianity so exclusive? You ever thought about that? Like if God is all good and kind and graceful, what about all those people, you know, the argument like, what about, they've never heard the name of Jesus. Are they going to hell? What goes on with them? And, and, and I painted this picture in my mind that, that it was so exclusive. The Christianity was so exclusive. Right here, we get the answer to that. It's not at all exclusive. Jesus is actually saying, make disciples of all nations. See, Jesus spent his life in ministry in one, to one people group, to the Jews. And then he did talk to Gentiles and Samaritans and, and stuff like that. But a few times in the gospels, he says things like, don't tell anybody. You know, and, and the reason why he's telling them is not that he doesn't want them to know that he is Christ. He wants, he's buying himself more time before he gets caught and crucified because he knows that what he is saying, that, that the God of the universe didn't just make a covenant with the people of Israel, but he has opened up his covenants to every people group in the world. He knew that that was radical. He knew that that was going to make a lot of people mad. See, the gospel is the most in inclusive message. And, and it, it, it breaks down borders and culture and language, and it unites people from all over the world into one. I'll never forget when I worshiped for the first time in our sister church in Santiago, Mexico. I'd never uh, sang worship songs in Spanish, and I was worshiping and singing these same songs that we sang up here, but just in my native tongue, it blew me away because I made the connection. There was a cultural gap for me and that connection was, was made and, and all there was was just awe. What an awesome God we serve that knows no borders or language or culture, but he is the God of all and he is inviting us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating another baptism after this service. We're celebrating another baptism after this service. And if you're watching online, we'll change, we'll turn the camera around so you'll be able to celebrate with us. But y'all, Baptism is a celebration of life. And if you have not been baptized and you've been coming to church and you've been following God, hear me say this, that baptism is the beginning. It's not a place where you arrive to. When you receive Jesus, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you now are saved. You are welcoming the rescue that Jesus has, has come for, and you are now safe in his arms. And the outward expression, the symbol, just like the symbol of communion is this bread or wafer or grape juice or wine or orange juice or milk or whatever, Baptism is an outward symbol of this inward reality. And we get to celebrate together as a church, new life. So let's keep on going. If you haven't been baptized, no pressure, no pressure. But know that it's the beginning. It's not something that you have to earn or prove. And you can feel free to talk to anybody whenever you are ready about baptism and what that means. Because after we are baptized, we are welcomed into the body of Christ, where we now are continually baptized. And what I mean is, is continually immersed into the things of God. 
And so we commit ourselves to the reading of the word, into prayer, into meeting in community groups, into coming here on Sunday morning and being about God's mission. And he closes the great commission with saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, we are on a mission until Jesus comes back. Because when Jesus comes back, things are gonna go down and that's gonna conclude, conclude our part. I don't quite get, I don't understand how all that works, but all I know is that he's calling me out to be a part of his mission. See, I'm gonna puff you up real quick and then I'll deflate you. But let me puff you up and say that you are an ambassador of Christ. Can you say that out loud? Say, I am an ambassador for Christ. How'd you feel? Have you seen those ambassadors walking around with their suits and their ties and, you know, dignitaries, the, 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 the flags in front of the limos? And you know what I mean? That must be a good life. I actually wanted that life. I went to school at Texas State to study international studies and I actually spent my third year of college at the, in The Hague, the Netherlands, studying European studies, learned a lot. And um, we had a great, I had a great opportunity because long story short, when I lived in Miami, my mom was friends and worked with uh, the consul, the Mexican consul in Miami. And he was now the ambassador of Mexico to the Netherlands. Okay, so I knocked on his door and he goes, hey, I'm interested in this kind of stuff. I wanna wear the suit. I wanna wear the tie. I want all that cool stuff, you know? And the first question that he asked me was, are you an American citizen? And at that time I wasn't, so I said no. Legal resident alien, green card baby, let's go. And then he said, do you wanna work for the, you know, do you wanna become an American citizen? And I was like, yes, I do. He goes, well, if you work for the embassy, for Mexico, you won't be able to work for the United States government. Now, as chance would have it, I ended up working for the United States government for, 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 for a few years, but that's another story. The point is that when you represent one nation, that excludes you from representing another. See, when you're an ambassador, you represent your country in a foreign land. And for us, what that translates is that we represent Jesus, the King of heaven here on this earth. And we get to literally appeal for the things of God. Second Corinthians verse five, it says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as, as though God were making his appeal through us. So God is literally working through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors. We are called to represent him. We have been entrusted with that last part, the gospel message that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors running in a lane. Now that I got you puffed up, so why don't we share our faith? Why is it so hard for us to talk to those around us about Jesus? I think we have a lot of good reasons. Maybe you can relate to this guy right here.
Morning, Jim. Robert. Hey. Hi, Jim. Free kiss. We freeze sometimes. We don't want to offend, right? We want to care and we want to love. Well, this morning, as ambassadors, I want to tell you that, that I've, I, I want to share three very simple things that we can do this week. Because as I've been talking, I know that one person, at least one, has come into your mind and you're like, man, who is God calling me to go? Who is God calling me to, to show uh, how to be a disciple? Because sometimes the reason why we don't go is because we are, we are struggling with things. We're having these doubts or, or we're just in a place where we can't give and we just need to receive. Well, let me tell you something. Sometimes that's the best time to go because you're inviting someone into the process of what Jesus is doing with and through you. And you are allowing yourself to be authentic and honest. And people just want to see an authentic representation of what it means to follow Jesus. The tracks, the, the bullhorns, all that stuff. Look, I used to be so against that stuff. Here's the bottom line. It works. If you're wondering how, read Philippians 1, 16 and 17. I won't go into it. But bottom line, we need to preach the gospel. And we, we don't, well, let me rephrase that. We get to preach the gospel. It's a privilege. Jesus doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. For some people, the triune God, the Trinity is a mystery. I think I can, I can have faith in that. Sometimes I have a hard time believing that he wants to use me. Anybody else? He wants to use us. So let me talk about these three things. Three quick things. It is an acronym and it's ACT. Sometimes when we hesitate, we just need to act. And whether that's with that person that's in your head or somebody else, a coworker, maybe a sibling, students, maybe somebody in the cafeteria or in your classroom, a friend that comes over. First thing is to ask. Ask questions. Sometimes we feel pressured, like well, I gotta give that pamphlet or I gotta give the right answer. I gotta, you know, have it all figured out before I start to witness or, or tell this person about Jesus. Really, the first thing that we get to do is ask. Ask them, ask them how they are. Ask them what's going on in their life. Ask them what they believe about God. Ask them if they've ever been to church and then say, hey, I invite you to come to church whenever you want to, no pressure, but we go to this church, Cypress Creek Church. Come on, cool worship. Come on, ask. The second is to care. We show up in somebody's life. When, 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 when we do that and when we show this authentic care that's not conditioned on having someone come to Jesus, we desperately want them to come to Jesus, but we're just exhibiting love in the same way that Jesus exhibited love for us, and that is unconditional. See, when, when Jesus came and he gave us his love, we then respond to his love. We can't earn it. And so let's give that love away. And let's care. Let's show up randomly. Let's send a text. And good, when we do good deeds, so good 
seeds because that's all we're doing, really. We're just sowing seeds. We're just saying, God, you're the one that makes things grow, says 1 Corinthians, so I'm just going to plant. I'm just going to water, but I'm going to trust God that you're, you're, you're calling me to go. You're calling me out. I'm just going to sow the seed over here. I'm just going to tell them that I care, that, that any time that they need somebody, that, that I'm here. Then the third thing is T, tell. Tell them the gospel through your story. If you've submitted your life to Jesus, my hope is that he's done something in you worth sharing. And for you, it may be small because maybe you've compared yourself to somebody else that has a dramatic conversion and story and praise God for both. Sometimes the person in your lane needs to specifically hear your story and not somebody else's. So tell your story about how, how, how before you met Jesus, what that was like, how you felt that sense of uh, maybe alone, abandonment, you, you felt alone, and, and then something happened, someone came into your life and, and shared with you, invited you to a community group, invited you to church, and, and that changed your mind, it changed your heart, you started reading the Bible, and then now you're, 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 you're different, you've changed God wants us to tell our story. And so ask, care, and tell. Next time, don't be like that guy. I've been like that guy. Act and see what happens. Leave it all up to God. It's his job to change hearts and minds. He wants to use us as his hands and feet to sow seeds. And good deeds oftentimes sow good seeds. So I want to close by asking you this question. If you are in Christ, who did God use you? Or who did God use to, 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 to get you to come to faith? Normally, he can use dreams. He, he can use uh, extra supernatural events. And sometimes he uses a person. And I want to share this story about a man in the Bible, probably that most of us either have not heard about or have totally forgotten about. In my opinion, he's one of the most important characters in the Bible. And he's found in Acts chapter 9, and his name is Ananias. See, Ananias was sent to go talk and care and, and ask Paul's, Paul some questions. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was a giant of the faith. So I want to read this story, and I hope that it gives us a little bit of courage. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, says that now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. Can we just pause and recognize how awesome that is? That God called him out by name audibly. We just saying that he calls us by name out of the grave. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. He does. But this guy was audibly called out by name and he appropriately answered and said, yes, Lord. The Lord said, go over to straight street, specific to the house of Judas. Very specific. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, super specific. He is praying to me right now. Crazy specific. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Whoa, how cool would it be to have a divine appointment like this? I mean, this is the perfect setup. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a, a toss-up. Ananias is like, you got it, Captain. I'm going to go. But you know how Ananias responds? Let's keep on reading. Verse 13. But Lord, exclaimed 
Ananias. Oh, man. Really, as I read that, I thought, how many times have I said, but Lord? How many times have I come up with good excuses? Because he has a good excuse. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. And Ananias is like, don't you get it? This guy is arresting the very same people that you are sending out. Are you thinking straight, Lord? He is gracious. Amen. The Lord is gracious. Verse 15. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God had a lane for Paul and he used Ananias. Who's your Ananias? As I was reading this right now, I just had a thought I want to share. Thank him or her this week. Maybe you haven't talked to that person in a while, or maybe you have an Ananias at work right now, kind of like the tugboat that we need to kind of take us out to the canal so that we can go on our lane. Be appreciative to your Ananias. Worship band, you can come back up. See, Paul was God's chosen instrument to take his message to the Gentiles and to the kings. Paul revolutionized the narrative of the Bible when he now was pursuing the world, all nations with the gospel, not just the Jewish people. And similarly, God has given you a lane that no one else has. And he has given you and wants to use you as his chosen instrument to take his message to whoever is in your lane. So who's ready to go? Who's ready to go? I want to do this in closing. If you're comfortable. Because what we need to do is we need to go from this place. Whatever that lane looks like for you, whether it's a workplace or whether it's the Lord saying, man, you've been going this direction. I want you to go this way. I don't know, but the Lord does. And what I want to do is I want to do something very biblical. I want to say a prayer of commissioning for all of us. Because when we gather here, this is a place where we go from, not go to. So if you're comfortable, please stand. And if you're at home, I invite you to stand as well. And if you're super comfortable, raise your hands and close your eyes. And let's pray. Lord, we want to know what our lane is. God, we recognize that you are the sender, that you are commissioning us to be about your work. And I pray, God, for every person here and and ask that you would give them clarity and direction and that they would run no matter how many distractions are going on. I pray that they would run for you, Jesus. And we hear you saying go. And we choose to say yes, we will go. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.